When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everyone, to our new series, Diving Deeper, where we're going to go on attempts to explore not only our favorite Marvel TV shows and movies, but also a little bit about ourselves. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and we're just going to get to dive in as deep as possible. I'm going to break down as many scenes as come to mind. I've watched it a few times. Uh, unlike a lot of other movies where I have on hand, it's still only in theaters, so I've only got the, the, the memory to reflect on, but I think I have a pretty good understanding. I've kind of mapped it all out, and I remember virtually every scene and every facial expression that was made. This is one of my favorite movies, and I'm very excited to talk to you guys about it. Like we said, we want to have a chance to dive deep into these series. We want to get a chance to appreciate what's come out. I took a chance to breathe. I've watched it a few times now, um, and I don't want to just get excited about the next thing. I want to explore this movie and what makes it connect to me. Um, and it'll be a good chance, like I said, for you guys to not only get to know the movie a little bit better, but if you want to, you'll get to learn a little bit about me as well. Um, so before I kick into the movie, I think a few things to know about me that are going to help understand the coloring of what's about to happen. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and skip that, actually, because as you learn about the movie, you'll learn about me, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean as we go. I'm going to kind of do this scene by scene with a couple little tangents as I go. So you kind of understand the flow. If you haven't seen the movie, I would suggest watching it first. Although I am going to talk about virtually every scene. So maybe it'll be like you're watching it um, through an audio book style or something like that. If that's kind of what you want to do. But I would suggest go to the theaters, see this movie. It's definitely great. It's very, very good spectacle. Um, watch it in IMAX if you can. On the big screen, it's all very good stuff. But um, let's kind of jump in. And I, I know the first scene... Um, is one of the things I love about this movie is every scene felt good and the opening scene does such a good job of establishing a very important character. Um, that character being our antagonist. I don't want to call him a villain because he's not really. Uh, so I'll just call him an antagonist. And it does a couple of things right off the start. So we see, um, we see him, first of all. And he's got his ten rings on and there's a narrator talking over it. And... The narrator explains something that is, I think, essential to what the movie is. The Mets, when he first got the rings, and we're not quite sure how they got them right, that's, that's lost to legend, how he got the rings. But the narrator explains that he chose power and to do harm when he could have chosen to do good. Uh, he just didn't choose that path. So we get off right at the start. The rings didn't corrupt him. He didn't like start good with good intentions and work his way. No. He started, chose the rings, and he chose to do bad. So we know his base desire was that decision to seek power. So that's where he kind of starts off from. Um, so I think that says a lot about him. And before we get into what actually happens, I always, this is one of my favorite things about all these movies. Why are the soldiers outside of the castles in like this weird formation? Movies do it all the time. I was thinking about that iconic scene from Troy where they're just like standing. That's not how it works. Walls and castles are built for a reason. That is to stay behind them and fight for as long as possible until they get through those walls. But it's whatever. I mean, it wouldn't have helped that much against these ten rings. So we get that first scene. Some cool action stuff going on. Nothing too spectacular. But like I said, we did learn a little bit about this guy and his decision to seek power. Now, we quickly learn... That through the millennia, you know, as the Ten Rings have changed the world and he's accumulated more power and more wealth, 
um, it wasn't enough for him. And spoiler alert, it never is, not only for him, but for anybody seeking power, uh, you'll never have enough to satisfy yourself because uh, we're just humans. We're not, you know, God and as much as we wish we were. So he goes to fill this hole in a new power um, that he's learned about in this place called Tai Lo. And we learn about Tai Lo later, but it's super great place and they go through this magical bamboo forest and it's a cool scene because it sets up for later but the scene itself doesn't do a whole lot um until he gets and meets his wife who we quickly learn the person who's narrating the beginning of this film is his wife the mother of of shang chi as we kind of learn here and this scene's great uh it's very beautiful classic old school filmmaking stuff um you know very obvious wire work as she glides around and he gets flung around um, we see him, he's explosive and he's devastating. He's throwing the rings around and she's just kind of flowing and moving and very, you know, wind and all that kind of classic um, stuff. And it's beautiful. It's great. And it sets up their relationship through the fight. And that's, I think, the best part of this movie is the fact that its action is constantly telling a story. And... It just moves around and they and it goes from like a fight to more of like a mix of a dance and a fight. And they're moving and they catch each other's eyes. And um, she sees something in him. He sees something in her. She kind of even mentions in the narration that like he was the last person she thought she'd fall for. But it's it's a great dynamic and it really sets up um, how they get together. And, and you know, then it starts to show as she's explaining this is your dad to Shang-Chi. And she shows him, you know... The power of the dragon because it's a great cute kid and he asks oh how did you able to do that and she explains well if you have the heart of the dragon you know all that good stuff and and it really sets up um how good that relationship was and it even shows you know there's a good scene of the dad like holding the son so we kind of get the feeling that the dad might not be as evil as he was as we started but again we did say that the movie's base starting point was the dad chose to seek power um, until he meets this wife. Uh, we get fast forward now, you know, skips forward in time again, and there's like that tossing keys scene with the, the truck, the car pulls up, and boom. First off, the first thing I realized when I watched this movie, that car pulls up, music is straight fire. They're not relying on nostalgia like Guardians, not that I'm saying it's bad, and Avengers, you know, they did the uh, Thunderstruck and great songs in those movies but it's very nostalgia uh where this movie was like nope we're going like modern you know modern rap modern pop we're like we're hitting it um it fits the culture this movie wants to be about and i'd love it i think it makes every scene better it's one of my favorite things about the movie um but obviously it's you know the bait i don't think anyone actually thought that was going to be shang chi getting out of that car it's a rich guy he walks over boom he tosses the keys to, to sean and kate and they're just out there living their lives as regular people um, at the valet. But, of course, Kate does what she does. You know, she's a little bit childish. She gets excited. She jumps in this sweet BMW. Uh, I looked it up. They're all, you know, on, some of them aren't even out yet. That one, that specifically one, at least at the time of this movie being made, uh, wasn't actually out for sale. But they're most around the $200,000, $250,000 range for these sweet BMWs. Um, we're going to see a lot of them. But... They go out, they have fun. Kate shows off she's a boss driver, which will, uh, shows that she's pretty skilled, which ties into her character a little bit. Um, and this moves on to this dinner scene. Uh, this dinner scene is, you know, classic. It's great. I think it speaks to me and it probably speaks to a lot of you guys because it's, it's really, you know, they're telling stories and they're exploring all the things they did when they were, uh, you know, less than, less than legal young adulthood they were doing, but the friends called them out to get their lives together, it's time to grow up, um, which is, you know, something a lot of us are facing, especially in culture today. I don't know if it's just an American thing or if it's happening around the world, but this idea of delayed adolescence. I think when people say that, they say it like a negative thing, but it's part of life. We are living in a world now where everything's more expensive and it's college takes longer and costs more money and houses cost and all these things. So people are getting married later, having kids later. Um, and so by extension, at least in the eyes of some people, growing up later. So it sets off a good base that a lot of people are going to kind of understand. Um, I know for me personally, I stayed in that world of like camping ministry 
uh, for as long as I could, you know, into like well into my mid twenties, even though I knew that there was no money there, there wasn't going to be a life there. Uh, very rare that someone's going to make their life in campus ministry, but it, that connects to me. This connects to them well. Um, it it sets a good tone, and of course, then they they're out drunk in the in the alley, and it's like, oh, we could go home and be responsible, but of course, they're not going to. Um, and it transitions to that, that karaoke scene, which if you've seen the movie, it's very funny. Um, it does, it is cool that they do like the private karaoke room thing, which I hear is a very big, uh, big city thing and West Coast thing, and apparently something in Asian culture, but maybe only in American Asian culture, I'm not sure, but like these private karaoke rooms. Um, they got out and they party. Of course, you got to throw in the, the Disney song. Um, they do Old Town Road, of course, because that was more popular when they were making this movie, but it still kind of hits. And I can't remember the other song at the top of my head. Again, I wish I could see the movie and I could record this later, but I wanted to get it out. So, so many things to remember. But does that scene, and then it transitions to one of my favorite scenes, and that's the scene the next morning um, with the family. And you just immediately get this idea that, like, Sean, who is Shang-Chi, if you haven't put that together yet, Sean is being accepted into her family um, and this shows a lot of things, and it's great that they, like, accepted each other, and they're doing the whole, uh, you know, the grandma's doing the, the Day of the Dead thing, and there's some jokes and stuff going on, but what the scene really functions as is, like, this is how close Kay and Sean are. You can say people are best friends, and I think they do say it pretty bluntly at one point, but this is the kind of thing that like, true friends are, right? They're parts of each other's family. Um, so this is, so it, it establishes it super well. Um, and you're going to need that for this movie. And we all kind of have that, right? I mean, most people, I feel like, at least someone in your life, you feel like you're connected to just more than your family. Um, especially someone like Sean, who doesn't have his family to connect to. It's really important, and it's really great that he has that. And again, like I said, if you want to learn more about me, that's kind of what speaks to me. I definitely had a family growing up, and I, but I, you know, I didn't have the best relationship with them in the world. So I sought that inclusion in other families, sometimes in sport. But I did have a best friend growing up. I was very much part of his family. Um, Andy Major, shout out. All love there. And uh, so that's great. And I think it's important for him and it speaks to me. And then we move on to the bus scene, ah, which is straight fire. That's absolutely what we're here to talk about. If you guys don't know anything about you know action and all this stuff, this is like... This is the scene to watch, to learn, to kind of understand why people love this movie. And this is the scene that everyone talks about. This is kind of what people run to it. It might not be my favorite scene in the movie, but it's one of the best action scenes um, I think I've seen since probably Civil War. It it has that like slow build up that's kind of awkward. This guy just comes up talking about you know the necklace and and you know in whatever language I, I'm assuming it's Chinese, but Mandarin maybe. And they come up, they're talking about the necklace and. And all this stuff's kind of going on, but what I love, number one, is that Aquafina doesn't overact here. She's just another person who's like, hey, what are you doing with my friend? Like, this is your, what's, whatever's going on, you're being weird, this is not uh, what's happening. So she acts like a normal person. It is still kind of funny, but she's not making weird jokes. She's just being a real person and a real friend in this moment. Um, which, of course, gets her shoved, and then the reveal we've all seen from the trailer, if you see the movie, boom, here's the punch. And now it's like, oh. This is what's up. Uh, that that song, I think it's called uh, "Run It." By I think it's called by DJ Snakes. I kind of looked it up, but I forgot a little bit. But that song drops. What a great song for this for this fight scene, and it goes straight up Jackie Chan fight style. They're using the bus poles. He's using his jacket on and off, and a lot of great choreography. Like very very classic Rush Hour, very classic Jackie Chan fighting style. I don't know what else you would call it because it's not quite how they fight. In old school, you know, Chinese movies. But it's very much the Jackie Chan style. That's the best way I can describe it as the quick, frenetic pace using the world around you as part of uh, a part of your martial arts. Then, of course, we have the guy recording, uh, you know, his boys. He's going to he's gonna judge it because he took a couple karate classes early on. So I love that scene. It's great. It does the whole cutting the bus in half. and he's But he's still trying to save the people. He's not just trying to win the fight. I, and it's it's all very good. Like I said, my favorite fight scene outside of Civil War. I could have done without the whole, there's a runaway bus and uh, Kate's got to drive it and all that stuff. But uh, other than that, though, 
All great scene. All good stuff. He does end with his necklace getting lost, which of course sets up later. Because now Sean needs to go find his sister because the big, you know, sword fist. What do they call him? Razor fist or whatever. Dumb name, but kind of funny. He he does end up with a necklace and he says something about uh, how their sister deserves what's about to happen to him. So, we know the sister's in trouble, which was, this is the first time we've heard that Shang-Chi has a sister. Even in the flashbacks, we didn't know this. So, that's why I was kind of like, what's going on here the first time I watched it? Um, but now Sean, as we still know him, he needs to go find his sister. And Kate, doing what she does. First off, again, I love it that she's not making jokes. She's just being like a sincere person in this moment. Like, just yelling at a friend, like, no, we just got attacked by a guy with, like, a razor fist. What is happening? And he's not really about to tell her. So she's like, well, I guess I'm going with you. Um, and it, it gets a laugh every time I've seen the movie in the theater so far. The whole, like, I'll, I'll talk to you on the on the plane, Sean. And uh, so that scene always gets a laugh. But it's because it's organic. It's like a real friend, like, just yelling. And it just happens to be a weird situation. Um, and it just continues to grow their relationship. They end up on the airplane, and this is where the movie like really starts to dive in. Uh, let's break down the funny scenes first, because I think people love those. The, the ha-ha name jokes, you know, because he changed his name from Shang to Sean. You know, it's pretty funny. She does the whole thing. Everyone likes to hear, you changed your name from Gina? Oh, now it's Gina. Always gets a laugh. It is funny. Uh, I think the waitress scene is funnier when the waitress comes up and she's like, wow, the chicken or vegetarian, we're all out of beef. And they're like, uh, I don't know, chicken. <laughs> well, we're all out of chicken. So, you know, I actually think they say vegetarian and they end up having to settle for for the chicken. But it's just funny. Such a waitress thing to do. But, well, so what do you want? I want the only thing that's available. What are you asking me? Shut up and leave. Uh, which, that makes me laugh every time. But we do get a little bit of backstory, which is what another thing this movie does well. It does a great job of like slowly revealing that backstory. It's so easy to get that wrong. They nail it so well. Um, and it, it explains how he was treated after his mother passed and uh, kind of how he became who he is. But it, it, but he does explain this whole moment. And she asks, like, did he go through with the first mission? And he says no. Um, if you've seen the movie, spoiler alert, um, later on it is revealed that he did it he did go through and like kill somebody um but but in this moment he lies and that is like super super important to like what's what is the theme of this movie and what needs to go on um we all want to deny our past in some way shape or form i know i do too not that i've done like a ton of terrible things i mean most of them make for funny stories and i'm sure i have done some terrible things that i'm not proud of but i more so deny just my lifestyle growing up and the situations I was put in and, and all that stuff. And it's so much easier to just pretend it never happened and just move on with your life. And this movie wants to make the point that that's not what it's about. Um, you gotta like accept the things that happened in your past. Otherwise it's just going to bog you down in the future. So I, I know it speaks to me. I hope it speaks to you guys. I think it's another great part of the movie. Now they now this scene kind of wraps up and we get to Singapore. It's awesome. Uh, I would love to go there. I would love to just explore these big cities. It looks dope. It looks great. Um, they end up going up to the Secret Fight Club, which there's got to be a million of these in the MCU by this point. Everyone has a million different underground this and that. But they get to the top of the elevator. Uh, first off, Ronnie Chang's there. He's hilarious. you got to watch his stand-up on Netflix. He's so funny. Um, a couple quick jokes. And then, of course, the uh, the iconic line of, no worries, I speak ABCs. And I love it. It's so funny. It's so good. Um, and just kind of on the side, I was watching Crazy Rich Asians the other night. And there's like this weird text scene where like all the all the like, texting about this girl who's dating the rich guy. And one of the texts is, oh, she's, she seems a little bit ABC. Um, which, so I looked it up. It's a fairly common expression for, like, Asian who grew up American. It's not quite the same as calling somebody basic, but it, it has a similar vein. It's not quite used in this context, but it's it's funny that it it's a definitely a traditionally used slang for Asian Americans, and they definitely put it in the movie, which just goes to show, like, that's what happens when you have talent not only of the culture on screen, but behind camera, so... I appreciate that, and it's those little things that make this stuff happen. 
they do the whole underground fight scene. Nothing too exciting kind of happens. The Wong fight is fun. It's interesting. He does the portal punch. So that stuff's cool. But the more emotionally rich stuff comes when his when his fight comes up, which he kind of gets tricked into doing. And it turns out, you know, as the person walks out, it's his sister. Uh, Zhaling. I, I can't quite know how to say it. Zhaling. She shows up. Um, she's got a sweet little robe and a sweet outfit. Um, he looks good with his shirt off, obviously. He's not quite as jacked as some of the other people, but man, you know, maybe it's just because he, you know, was taking some time off. It's not like he was training to be this warrior the whole time he had run away. So, but Kate does notice that he takes his shirt off, which I think is is key to the their budding relationship. They're definitely not going to stay just friends. The fights itself is sweet. You know, good action, good one-on-one fight scene. That's more traditional um, you know, Bruce Lee kind of fighting style action scene here. But, again, the best part is that the action was telling a story. There was acting in the action. The fight scene was acting taking place. Zhaoling is obviously very... has pent-up anger towards her brother. She's very mad. And Shang-Chi is obviously just oblivious to what's happening. He's just there to kind of protect her. He doesn't... He doesn't quite realize, you know, this dynamic and why she's so upset with him. Um, and the, the fight can, conveys that very well, right? And just in that moment, like, she's obviously angry, wants to fight. He doesn't want to fight. Um, very interesting. Of course, he gets a sweet roundhouse to the face, gets dropped. It it shows that she's awesome. I still take away from the fight that if he wanted to win the fight, he could. But I don't know that that's necessarily important. Um, it is funny that Kate bet against him and made a bunch of money. That makes for a good joke. They talk a little bit. She explains kind of what happened after he left, and Shaoling kind of had to learn by watching. She didn't get to participate in the in the training, even though it's like, well, the training wasn't good either. They're both terrible things that are happening to both of you. But as a younger sister, even if it's terrible what's happening to you, you still want to be included. You don't want to be left out, uh, which is so true for kids. Even in terrible things, you don't want to be left out. Uh, the Ten Rings break in now, and it jumps into this fight scene on the poles and on the scaffolding, which is, like, ripped right out of the first rush hour. Uh, but I, I think it's great, because it's executed well. Like, Kate being out there on the scaffolding and pulling, she's kind of slipping and stuff. Like, you feel on edge for her, because you don't think that she can keep herself safe, while obviously Shang-Chi can. He's flipping around, he can do all this stuff, he's not worried about falling at all. But, like, her life is definitely in danger this whole time. She ends up out, like, on a ledge. He tries to fight to get to her. He doesn't quite get to her in time. She's falling. And, of course, you know, Jialing, the sister, comes back and saves Kate. Uh, it wasn't going to happen. There is that savage line where Sean, she's like, you left us here to die. And she goes, well, now you know how it feels. Boom. Savage. I love it. Uh, but it did show that, like, Shang-Chi wasn't going to win this fight on his own. He couldn't protect Kate on his own. So that kind of works well. They do a bunch of good work, and then the, there's the helm boy and the mask that showed in a couple of backflashes. He shows up, does a bomb, gets away with the necklace, but then there's like a sweet one-on-one fight scene, Shang-Chi versus this guy. They got that huge, weird screen in the background with a mascot running around. It's very epic looking. It's a relatively short fight, but good action. Uh, the one thing I take away is that Shang-Chi was about to murk that guy. Not that he hadn't just murdered a bunch of people on the scaffolding, but like, you know, self-defense, whatever. Shang-Chi was definitely going to murder this guy in the mask. But Dad comes in, um, hits him with the ring, and kind of stops him. But immediately in that scene, and I feel like this is where the movie kind of shifts. It shifts from like, oh, this is pretty cool. I kind of like what's going on to like, this is now legit. The dad comes in, he says the line about, you know, I told my man they couldn't kill you anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um... And then they, they kind of touch foreheads. And it's it's so obvious in that moment um, that the dad missed his son. The dad had missed his son, and, like, he misses that connection they used to have when they were, like, together on a mission He and his son was being trained. And the son still misses the dad, even though it's not quite like like he doesn't approve of the dad or anything but like there's still like i'm still your son you're still my dad kind of connection and that kind of shifts in this movie into like that whole new gear of what i love um i feel like i have a similar relationship with my father and dad if you're listening 
I love you. You're great. Um, you made mistakes. That's fine. We make mistakes. Um, and yeah, my relationship with my dad isn't the same as a lot of people's relationships with their dad. But like in that moment, when like I'm standing in the room with my dad, he's still my dad. And I still love him. And this is the same. Like Shang-Chi knows all the bad things his dad did and all that stuff. But like in that moment, like you're standing there, it's your dad. You you just can't help but feel for him. They like they just heads touch and it's just like in a weird way, Shang-Chi like still like he it's like a sigh of relief. Like he feels safe around his dad. It's which is weird because his dad's obviously like this murderous bad guy, but like there's this feeling of like safeness there in that moment. Uh, it's very weird, but I love it, and it really, really quick, quick shifts this movie into what speaks to me and why I think it's one of the best movies out there. They had that quick scene of the sister and Kate in the bedroom, uh, not only showing off the cool bedroom, but this this idea that uh, Zhao Ling's like, you know, the dad just couldn't train her, couldn't love her, because she just looked too much like her mom, and the dad couldn't deal with it. I'm probably just going to call him the dad, father, most often the Mandarin. I don't actually remember what his, like, he because he his official name is, but because he says so many. You would know him as the Mandarin if you're a comic book fan. Um, so I'll probably just refer to him as the dad often. But there's this idea, right, that he couldn't love his daughter because she just looked too much like the mom, and it was just too much. And I've seen this happen in a couple other movies, so it's not the most original thing in the world. But it's true, and grief is hard, and everybody handles it differently. It's, and I don't know that it makes this dad a bad guy. It maybe it makes him weak. He just he couldn't handle grief in a way that was helpful for his kids, right? He his grief turned into him making Shang Chi into weapon and into him ignoring his daughter. It is just the way it was. He that's just how he handled grief. Um. I can't say I would handle it different. I've never lost anybody at this point in my life. I know a lot of people have. Obviously, you've lost a grandma you're close to or, a, you know, maybe one of your parents or dad or, God forbid, like a sibling or something crazy. Um, I'm lucky enough that that hasn't happened yet. And when it does, I don't know that I'll handle it well. I probably won't, you know, end up turning my, my you know, my siblings or my kid into a murder, murder-heavy martial artist. But I don't know that I'll handle it well. So that's a good backdrop for what this this you know antagonist really is. He's just a dad going through grief, a, a husband who lost his wife. Um, the dinner scene that they transition to um, is an incredible scene. First off, just incredible acting um, going on here. Just he's so good. Uh, the Mandarin, you know, dad here. He's it's just incredible acting. He's he does such a good job, and he talks about, like, the power of names. I know he asked Kate her name, and I, I can't remember. That's, again, like, the one thing I wish. If I had seen this five times, you know, maybe I, I would still remember it. But, you know, she says what her, what her Asian name is, and he explains the power of names and what it means. And, you know, there's a couple jokes about, you know, the Mandarin and, you know, how... It gives a little bit of backstory to Iron Man 3, but nobody really cares about that. But I don't care about that. I think they did that just to, to throw it in. But they transition that, like, need to, like, explain it, and they turn it into, like, this really powerful scene. Because as the dad's talking, it's obvious that he mocks these fake names. You know, the Conqueror and the Destroyer of Worlds and the most powerful man alive. He, he almost mocks those names, and he truly has a reverence for, like, his true name. Um, which is what, you know, that's the name he passed on to, to Shang-Chi. And he has such a reverence for it. And it's, and at least to me, it feels like it's because that's the person he wanted to be. But as we kind of learn, he doesn't feel that he can be that person without his wife and without his family. So he misses that. He wants to be that person and he can't get to it. And this scene kind of sets that up really well. Um, and as, as I said, good chance to get to know me more i love my name i don't know if everyone's proud of their last name but i am proud of my last name uh delong is a name that is relatively unique i've heard other delongs but i've never seen any other name um that has the e on the end of it i actually literally had a neighbor who was named cody delong he lived in the house behind me but he spelled it different his first name had a k and his last name didn't have an e on the end so 
I've always been proud that my name is unique, but I think the most reason that anyone's proud of their name is because they're proud of their parents. And I grew up, you know, my parents were split up, so I lived growing up with my dad, and I was proud of my dad. He was my dad. Um, he was a great athlete. He was competitive. He kind of was quippy and made snarky jokes from time to time, and of course I loved it. And, you know, even though you, as you get older, you kind of realize the faults in your parents and stuff and, and all that good things, but it doesn't take away from the pride I take in my name. And so the scene speaks to me on that level. I'm, like, very excited uh, that my wife took my last name. I'm very excited that I have a kid that's going to be born literally any day. It could happen between this recording and when it comes out in a day. Um, and I'll be excited that she's going to take on my last name. So... It's great, and I think that scene sets up and probably speaks to a lot of people, but even more so than just the name, it's that relationship. It's family, how important that is um, to this dad. So, And he reveals that he believes that he can save his wife. Um, even though she's dead, he believes that she is like being held in this prison in Tylo somehow, spiritually, and he wants to get her out. There's not a ton of response from, you know... Xiaoling or anything, but Shang-Chi, his response, he's the one who responds to his dad in his moments. And he just wants his dad to move on. He doesn't, he doesn't want revenge for what his dad has done. He doesn't want to put an end to this evil empire. What he wants is for his dad to move on and to get over it. And to like, you have to accept that, you know, his mom is dead and your, your wife's dead. And that to me is like great what like what a great dynamic to be the heart of the movie um the son's not here to stop you because you're a bad guy he's here to stop you because he cares about you and wants you to move on um which is fascinating and then there's the crazy water map scene after the two necklaces go in the dragon you know it does it's some cool visuals going on the white crystallized like forest looks dope and they they kind of you know hey here's our plan this is how we're going to get to tylo Chang-Chi and, and Zhaoling kind of try to like stand up and talk about it, but the dad's not having it up. He's too wrapped up in his grief to kind of see that he's willing to hurt and imprison his family to get there. And that, that kind of sucks. He's, he's, he's a little too far gone, at least in these moments, to see what's happening. And then they, they run into Trevor and Maurice, all three of them now, because Kate gets thrown into prison with him. And they just run into Trevor and Maurice. If you don't remember Trevor, he was like from Iron Man 3, he was the person who was pretending to be the Mandarin. Um, I don't have much to say about this scene. I talked about it in our review. It's fine. Nothing, I think, emotional happens here. There's a couple funny things. It's whatever. It's a plot dialogue to get them through the forest somehow and to have a little bit of humor thrown in. Nothing too exciting happens. I don't care about the escape scene and the tunnels and the driving cars. I don't care for char chase scenes really anyway. So, I don't know. I have nothing to say about this scene. We're just going to move on to where they get back to the forest. Like we said, at the beginning, there's that forest that kind of like stops them, keeps them from going in. And now they're in the moment. They're going to go through it again. This time with a... I'm, pretty sure, I'm hoping it's Maurice. I, I, I'm going to feel stupid if it's like something else, but I've been wrong before. The weird creature uh, with no face kind of uh, is going to talk them through it. There's definitely like a funny creative scene about the whole... You know, he fell in love because he realized that the actor, the the apes in Planet of the Apes were acting like they were riding horses. Ha, ha, ha. They were obviously just men in suits, but it's, it's very funny. No, but they do the, the chase through the maze, and it is it is what it is. I don't, I don't really care for it. It's fine. But they get to Tylo. They get to go through this waterfall, and it kind of opens a dimension little gate to this new place, which... Number one, the fact that the gate did the whole circle thing and it, it looked the same way as if a sling, ling, a, a sling ring from Doctor Strange would open a portal. And it kind of, this movie does it in a few different times. It connects this idea that all the magic from all these different universes seems to play by the same set of rules. Um, so magic kind of circumvents different because the, the dragon staffs are the same as like the Doctor Strange weapons. Even the color coordination all seems to be the same, right? Like, blue is kind of like the technology-based color. Purple is definitely like the evil magic-based color. And orange is like the, you know, good good guy-based color. So th there's a lot of things that, that tie this idea that all the magic is going to be the same throughout 
even the different multiverses. Um, but they get into Tylo, they come through this portal, and it's absolutely dope. The the place looks sweet. It's not quite Pandora, but it's got this like magical feel. It's definitely more grounded in the reality of what um, you know, at least what the paintings make old school Japan kind of look like. And I say Japan, but a lot of it's also Chinese. They definitely do a good job of making sure both both folklores kind of exist at the same time here. I don't know if that's a good job. Some people would argue that's not a good job. They're, they're different countries and don't mix them. I get I get that as well. And it, But it's just hard because they came from a similar route that when you're going back in time, it's, it's harder to keep them separated. But I'm not nearly qualified enough to make those kind of distinctions. So uh, you'd have to ask people who are more embedded in the two different cultures and, and why maybe they shouldn't be crossed over. But to take this movie, there's plenty of crossover. Uh, I would argue that it feels like they lean a little more towards the Chinese thing, which maybe is the right call. And if you didn't know about me growing up, well, not growing up, I mean, my early adulthood, the only other really serious girlfriend I've had other than my wife, um, I met right out of college, um, and she was of Asian descent. She had a Japanese father and a Chinese mother. And so I did get to, like... To live that and I you know was at her house plenty of time and had dinners and a little more of the traditional stuff and ramen yeah I don't love Japanese ramen but it's fine there's kind of a culture to it and I, I did get a respect and reverence for it but more so than that really though was uh most of my respect for the culture comes from Studio Ghibli films they're amazing um you've never heard of them you can call them like the Pixar of Japan but that's like assuming nobody in America had any sort of like stigma that cartoons are for kids because they don't have that there. Like Pseudo Ghibli cartoons are as big as blockbusters, if not big. Like I know our Pixar movies make a bunch of money, but it's because we take kids to them. That's not the case uh, necessarily for Studio Ghibli. They adults love them; they're great. But if you yeah, if you looked around my yard, my recording studio right now, I have like eight different Pseudo Ghibli photos, still images framed around me right now so i have respect i love the culture and the images and this tylo place looks awesome uh the creatures look great the background looks great and they show off some amazing folklore creatures uh the first one most people are going to notice is that multiple tailed fox you know you, you probably recognize it as nine tails from my pokemon but it's a great legend. The more tales it has is how old it is. It's all great stuff. There's that weird like dragonish horse thing that they, they run into. The only creature I didn't really recognize is whatever Maurice is. But there are tons of like faceless spirits in, in uh, folklore. Like I know Studio Ghibli's like probably most famous image, if not second most famous, is like the spirit called No Face in Spirited Away. So I, I guess it's playing off that. I'm not quite sure. Um, then of course every, everyone loves the, uh, the the guardians, the sweet like lion, dragon, dog creatures, which is such a common occurrence in so many temples and in different buildings. They have like the two statues of those two creatures in front. So not only that they did the two instead of like making twelve of them, um, but that they looked so good in live action with CGI was awesome. So that's dope fire. I love everything about Tylo. Side note, they didn't go through a gated spirit realm thing, which is good for them, because this isn't supposed to be the spirit realm. It's supposed to just be a different realm. But that seems like the kind of mistake you would make if you didn't quite understand the culture that was going on. So, awesome on them, obviously. They had people who were far more versed in these cultures than me behind the cameras as well, which is, again, such an important part of why these things work. Um... But now we they kind of get through and they get to meet the people of Tylo, which at this point is just this, you know, single village protecting the gate. It explains that, that Tylo is actually its own realm and it had its own set of cities and spread around. But in this moment, this kind of like bridge spot, it's just this one village of people. And they're there to protect the gate. We get a little bit of backstory on the soul suckers and stuff. It's classic bad guy stuff. You don't really need to know. But... What we do get to see is some good character growth stuff in these moments leading up before this last fight. 
when the aunt comes in, she talks to him. And there's kind of three things going on here. Zha Ling is kind of learning that she's being accepted, right? She lived in a world where she wasn't accepted her whole life, so she kind of has, you know, this pent-up you know, aggression for it, and she doesn't love that. So she's in a place where she's accepted, and she gets to kind of be herself, and she gets to be thought of as a warrior, which is great. Uh, Kate's learning to step up and find her place and, like, put in the work and commitment to bettering herself instead of just flowing through life. Um, that's kind of what her arc is in this moment, and she does that through, like, you know, learning the bow. It's a little cheesy, but it works for, like, being a tertiary character. Your growth, you can't have that deep of growth going on if you're not the main character. So she kind of gets to do that. And then, of course, Shang-Chi, he's going through and he's learning to accept who he is and that even though he can choose to be a different person, he can't ignore what his past was. You kind of have to accept it. Um, which, as I talked about earlier, that's like that's what speaks to me the most. And, and I'll get into it as his growth kind of comes to a head later. Um, he gets to learn a little bit through, like, you know, watching, fighting his aunt, who does the whole cool spirit realm, wind fighting stuff, and he's doing the more traditional, aggressive, um, just martial arts. So, and even then, he doesn't quite understand, but he does learn to, like, open his palm and be more open to things, which comes into play later, because he has the, the talk with Kate along the shores of this lake, and he admits that he not only was he there like when his mom was killed but like it shows the backstory of how he helped his dad find the people and exact the revenge and ultimately he admits that yes he did go through and kill this person who had been part of killing his mom and he feels bad because he thinks his mom would hate who he became because he was willing to murder that person in cold blood which Murder's bad. I'm not going to pretend like murder's bad. And in the context of real life, it's hard to, you know, accept someone who had committed murder. But in the context of the movie, like she says, he had a really horrible, horrible teaching to go. So can you forgive him or not? I guess that's kind of up to you to watch the movie, especially when it's a fictional character. It's a little easier. So he he's going to have to accept that. But for now, he kind of doesn't. He, like, he goes the other way and he says, like, I'm going to have to do what I'm meant to do. And that's like, I'm going to have to kill my dad to stop him. Because, you know, that's kind of how he feels. He feels upset with himself. He can't forgive himself for what he did. And that's just leading into him making more bad decisions, at least in this point in time. Kate doesn't really know what to say. What are you going to say in that situation? There's, there's too much pain, too much grief. He's going to have to dial that out with his dad. The fighting comes, right? The Ten Rings, they get they show up to Tai Lo eventually. You know, they found the path and all that good stuff. And some generic fighting, it's whatever. Nah, nobody cares. And what does happen, though, that's good, is Chong-Ti and Dad fighting each other scene. They're one-on-one. And again, it's the action and the dialogue just mesh together perfectly. The dad calling out Shang-Chi for like, no, you are afraid. You're afraid of your past. You're afraid of like what you've done. And you're afraid of me because I remind you of those things. I mean, it doesn't say that, but that's definitely like what's happening in those moments. And all the fighting's happening, but like Shang-Chi's out there with just the staff, like going toe-to-toe with these rings. So like, it's definitely showing that he is, he's awesome. He's every bit the warrior um, supreme as he's supposed to be. He kind of has his dad down and out. You know, the Mandarin's kind of down and out, and he delivers that savage line of, like, even if you could bring Mom back, like, what makes you think she'd want to be with you? Which is absolute savage, but the dad, you know, unleashes the rings and sends him flying into the lake. Uh, There's some other stuff going on, you know, the fighting's going on, the dad's going to go open the gates, and as he's, like, punching the gates open with the rings, these evil soul-sucker demons are, like, sneaking out and attacking the village, you know, now the Ten Rings and Tylo are going to fight the demons together. It's whatever. Again, it's good CGI action stuff. It's done better than, I think, some of the other CGI fights at the end of Marvel movies. So that's why I kind of like it. Like, even if bad stuff is better than most in that scenario. But there's one last final flashback before he, like, you know, before Shang-Chi, who's, like, floating down the bottom of this ocean. He has this final flashback, and that's, you know, seeing his mom and dying and you know, what she had told him and that he needs to accept both what his dad is 
and who she is, and you kind of have to meld those things together. Um, and before he wakes up, and the Guardian Dragon wakes up. I love this scene. I love the the message that's being told here. Is you, you, you are nothing if not who your parents were. Not biologically who your parents were. That I don't think has much to do. But like who raised you? Who was the life you had? That's who you are. Um, I know that's who I am. I didn't. I haven't said talked about my mom yet. My mom's great. I love my mom. She has her own issues, um, and they're very real issues, and they're very a giant struggle for her to live life, and it can be frustrating. But there's no one on earth that I've met besides maybe myself, who I get from my mom, who just is like as sweet and like as caring, and like doesn't does things not to be perceived as nice. But my mom is just nice. She just actually genuinely gets so much joy out of helping other people. That's part of who I am because it's part of my mom. Even though my mom has trouble, like that good thing about my mom is true. My dad, a lot of things, right? But one thing my dad was, was he is decisive. And when he made a decision, he stuck to it and he didn't like back down. He didn't, you know, he tells the story of how he like one day he just woke up and he went... Well, I'm just going to quit smoking then. That's just the way it's going to be. He didn't have to try six times and all these things. He just did it. He just decided one day, that's it. Um, and he did. And that's part of who I am. So this scene speaks to me. It probably speaks to a lot of people. Um, you're nothing if not the people who raised you. You kind of have to, to, to accept the bad things they were, you kind of need to also realize the good things they were. Um, it, it helps you process those things about your your life um maybe it's just that you're kind of funny but of course it's not that easy some sometimes things are terrible but it's at least a good message to try to help the average person and then uh you know the dragon comes up they do some cool dragon stuff fighting and then shang chi lands and he's gonna fight he's gonna fight his dad one-on-one again only this time he's gonna do it as a combination of his parents and he's flowing around and he's catching the rings and he's doing all this stuff and again as i've said it already like two or three times the action is telling the story as they're fighting it becomes quickly apparent that it's very very similar to the dad fighting his you know the mom when he meets his wife back in the forest it's very similar movements. It's very similar action. The music obviously is similar to, to give us, the audience, the, that feeling. And you can see it in the dad's eyes. Even as they're fighting, the dad is seeing it. Like this is his wife being reflected out through his, his son. Like the way Shang-Chi fights is obviously the same way as his wife. And he sees that and he feels it. Um, and that's obvious when like the big demon now breaks out after the dad kind of like accepts defeat here uh the demon kind of breaks out and the dad is like at peace with the fact that he's you know his soul is being sucked out by this demon sucker because the dad is he understands now that like his wife still existed in the sun and like it's okay and he kind of lets the rings go to his son great stuff good scene i love it uh, through the rest of the movie, there's not a ton left going on that's great, other than, like, Shang-Chi won't let his sister, you know, leave, which is great. Like, he's not going to let go of his sister again. He, like, he's realized throughout the movie how much that hurt her that he left and didn't take her with when he, like, had that, you know, after he had murdered someone. I don't know if I've mentioned this. If you've seen the movie, you should know. He couldn't come back for his sister because he couldn't handle being what his dad had taught him to be so he kind of just left and unfortunately being you know 14 15 years old he had to leave his little sister behind and he now realizes how much that hurt her he's not going to do it again and even though you know this demon's about to end the life of this dragon and maybe be calamity he can't he can't let himself leave his sister again which is great um kate steps up she fires the shot in the arrow because she gets to have a little bit of growth and you know trust herself and realize that she can be good things you know you don't have to it's not too cool to be good at things all right that's a good lesson to learn i think for a lot of us that we it's just cooler to just be like ah it's not that deep it's not that important well let it be that important like 
care about things. Right? That's one of the reasons I play like fantasy football and stuff. It's give yourself care about things. Want to be competitive. Want to be better at things. Too much of time in our life we just spend being too cool for school. Um, it's too cool to be, you know, I don't want to be this nerd who's good at school. I don't want to be this nerd who's good at this. I don't want to care about things. Um, so that's kind of what Kate's lesson kind of learned is she saves the dragon, hits it, you know, the demon thing in the neck. There's a cool fight scene going on. The dragon gets to use the water like it's his fists, like it just comes flying out. Um, dope stuff. The rings are used to explode the demon sucker. Boom. Everyone saved. Good stuff. I do like at the end they have the um, lamps. They float out and they say goodbye to everybody, which is important. Because that's a lot of what this movie is, man. Accepting that grief, and it's it's so hard, but that's why a lot of cultures do this whole, like, releasing it. Not necessarily for, you know, the, the person who's dead spirit, but it's for our spirit. And it's for us to, like, let go. And so that way we can kind of continue to live life. Um, we have to be able to, like, let go of them and, and know that they're with us always, even if it's just in who we become. This stuff goes on. And then, of course, it wraps back up because they're back at dinner now. And now that they've grown up, they get to rub it in the face of these people they were with. It's kind of a funny scene because obviously no one believes that they fought a weird giant dragon. But then Wong shows up in this weird magic portal. It's it's good stuff. As for the post credit scenes, that's not really what this video is about. But if you want to know, they're pretty funny. Stay, watch both of them. Uh, listen to our review on the Marvel Stuff podcast. We break them down a little bit more. But there's nothing, you know, growth-wise that I think connects to me that I feel like I need to talk about. Um, but yeah, just just what an incredible movie that I love so much. I could talk about it forever. And just, just sitting in the theater, all I could think about is, is my relationship um, with my father and, and how this movie helps remind me that just because, you know, your dad or your, you know, whoever it is, your brother... Whatever person you don't feel connected to is a bad person. Um, you just, they still, they might still care about you. you. You're allowed to still care about them. It doesn't mean you need to do things that are, you know, dangerous to you and the people around you to, like, connect with these people you miss. But, like, you're still allowed to feel those things. And that's kind of what this movie helps me fight through. But I hope you guys like this sort of weird meta uh, breakdown of this movie. If not, that's all right. I like doing it, so that's okay with me. I know Josh has talked about wanting to do it with, um, you know, I think he one of the Captain Americans. I'm not sure if he wants to do it for Civil War or Winter Soldier or which one. But not only about what makes the movie great, but, like, what makes movies great is how we react to them and, like, what we get out of them. So I hope you guys like it. If there's other movies you like that you want us to break down deeper, let us know. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys join us in the next podcast. I hope you guys like and share and subscribe. Like I said, this is a different kind of episode. So don't be afraid to spread it around like it's a little bit different. It's not just here to break down marvelly stuff and give spoilers and, and talk about the movie. So maybe people will like it. Spread it around if you don't. But if you do like it, let me know. Subscribe, you know. Put a review in the comments. Message me on Facebook. Join our Marvel Stuff podcast group. All that good stuff. Um, but really, just I appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys are having a great time. I hope you go out and see the movie. And now let's transition into just being hyped about the next one. All right. All right.